The night Max wore his wolf suit and made mischief of one kind and another, his mother called him Wild Thing. And Max said, I'll eat you up. So he was sent to bed without eating anything. That very night, in Max's room, a forest grew and grew and grew until his ceiling hung with vines and the walls became the world all around and an ocean tumbled by with a private boat for Max and he sailed off through night and day and in and out of weeks and almost over a year to where the wild things are. Welcome to A Thousand and One Good Nights, a new podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Turn the pages with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they try to understand the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Nick, sometimes when I tell people that I do a podcast on children's books and they say, you know, I don't think I ever remember reading a book as a child. And then I say, what about where the wild things are? (laughs) And then they say, oh, man, that book like was my childhood. (laughs) So, So let me ask you this. Why is this the book that gets the people going? That's a big question. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, but it, it's also the it's the best question to start with, I think, because it has just becomes it, it's almost like synonymous with kids books. Right. Right. Yeah. And why is that? I mean, it's it's only like 10 sentences long. It's about a kid that wanders off into kind of an imaginary world like those are fairly standard uh, kid book tropes. So what what sets this one apart? Um, so I think like a lot of children's books, and this is kind of the boring answer, I'll get the, I'll get the boring answer out of the way first. I, part of it has to just be like momentum. I think like for sometimes for just partly inextricable reasons, some books just like catch on and become part of the culture. Um, and some don't. And I think there, there are probably a lot of great books that never really caught on. Um, but this one definitely, definitely caught on. Um, I'm, so I'm not saying it doesn't have to do with the substance, which we'll talk about, but I think I think it's good to like acknowledge that right off the bat is that like, you know, maybe some of it's just kind of chance. Um, but that's that's sort of the boring answer. <laughs> well, this is this is kind of what we talked about with Pat the Bunny. Part of it also is that, it, you know, chance and then also at the time, I feel like there weren't many books that were like this that, that made uh, adults a little uneasy in terms of the 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 way that they portray both children and adults. So. Max has a temper tantrum and he's the main character. And then we can talk about this a little bit later too, but the, the mother in the book doesn't really come off like you, you can be sympathetic to her, but you know, her main action in the book is sending her child to bed without any supper. So, I mean, well, and leaving supper for him uh, at the end. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I guess we, we can talk, we, 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 Maybe we should talk about that a little bit. So what do you one, – one thing is how do you read um, – kind of her only line in the book is uh, like she calls and then she calls Max a wild thing and that's in all caps. How do you read that when you're reading the book? Like is it is it in a kind of an – like you wild thing you or is it – is she screaming at him? Like is it in all caps because she's yelling? 
I mean, I, I tend to read it as in kind of a, you mean like literally read, like how do I read it to my kids? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. So I, I read it in a sort of you wild thing, you know, sort of in a very like dramatic kind of way, because I think it's the, the natural first way to, to read it in the more general sense is from the perspective of Max. Cause he's, right. he's the one you see right off the bat and he's the one, especially kids are going to identify with it. So you, you certainly read it as negative and overbearing and kind of commanding. Right. Cause yeah. that's, but I, but you bring up a good point that it, you don't, we don't know. She could have said it in all sorts of ways. It, it could have been humorous for all we know. Um, right. Or, or, or maybe that kind of, I mean, and this is not necessarily any better, but that kind of bemused resignation, like, oh, Max, like you wild, like, what am I going to do with you, Max? I just, there's, but I mean, yeah, the, how the exhausted read, how, mother who's running right. on like three hours of sleep and has like five other kids that we're not privy to. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, and, but whatever. Uh, but then, and then how do you read how Max responds to her when he says, I'll eat you up? Cause I always read that as kind of a, a yell. Like he, that seems oh, yeah. kind of like that, that's not affectionate. That, that's like no angry and frustrated and yeah. Congruent and not, with his facial expression, which is just right. sort of like, right. Yeah, so, right. So you, that, that, that's the other thing is you, you know how Max feels a little bit more than the mother because you, you're actually, you actually see his face. Well, well, that's interesting. How would you label? I'm always curious about the about kind of emotions in children's books. But how how he's got this? Um, his brow is like very furrowed. And he's got kind of the downturned mouth, and he's looking at the closed door as he's in his bedroom. How would you label that emotion? Like, what's he feeling in that well, moment? Do you think? So he so he's definitely scowling, and he. I mean, that that's and, and this is the larger theme of the book is he looks very angry and frustrated. Um, almost, but almost like signaling at that. Like sometimes, yeah, kids like defiant will, kind of. Right, right? Yeah, and, and and they, like they, kids assume that facial expression sometimes when they don't know what to say and they they just want to give off emote. Like it's it, it's it's a very pure kind of emoting. Like I'm angry. I don't really know how to articulate that, but you know that, that, that it's kind of like the kind of thing that you say when you say grr or something, something. <laughs> right. well I, but i think that's a really important distinction that we tend to think of emotions as like reflections they're like think you know something happens and we feel an emotion but i think a lot of times they're they're signaling too like they're a, they're a thing we sort of put out there um and that is one of the cool things about the book the way it works is that that energy that's like in his face right there that's sort of what propels the rest of the story forward, right? Like in, into the land of where the wild things are. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you, like, if you read, uh, like anybody that does a retrospective on where the wild things are, a, a common phrase, I feel like is fantasies of childish rage. So like, that's like, <laughs> so that's like that, that anger is definitely what it is the sort of propulsive element of the imaginative journey that he takes. Right. Like, right. Or, or is that, is that, is that fair? I mean, because anger is different than frustration, or is it? I mean, I, you're, I mean, you're the psychologist. You tell me. <laughs> I, I'd lump both of them in the same kind of general family of or kind of category of emotion. Um, but no, he seems he seems pretty angry. You know, like and and it's not, I don't think it's a stretch to assume that the mom is angry at him too. Um, so it he gets and and in the first few scenes he doesn't look. I guess in the first one he does look kind of angry, but he also looks has this kind of like like joyful mischievous look when he's like terrorizing the dog with the fork you know <laughs> about yeah, to, like, yeah. Well, his, his, his his um 
mischief definitely seems like it is maybe causing harm, but it doesn't seem malicious if that, no, like in in the way that that the kids do things where it's like, you definitely understand why the mother might be frustrated and he might actually be doing kind of some awful things, but he doesn't, it doesn't seem to be undertaken. Like, like, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think frustrated is actually a good word because it, it sort of implies that you are, that you want to do something and that someone or something is thwarting you and like getting in the way. I think that's like a specific nuance that that's more helpful than just anger. It's like, like I just want to run amok and be a wolf and like do my thing. Um, but this like object, possibly stab the dog with a a friendly sort of way. (laughs) And I'm being, I'm being thwarted from what I want to do. So I I think frustration is actually a really good, um, a really good word for that. And that, and that, I think that kind of moves us into the one way to look at the movement of the book is to go from being very frustrated and thwarted. um, But then he sort of finds himself traveling into this world and all of a sudden, he, relatively all of a sudden, he, he like finds his like agency and power. He, beco- he very quickly becomes king of the wild things by kind of tame, by taming all these like hideous monsters. So he, he like regain or he gains a sen- that sense of control and power that he felt like he didn't have. Um, back is that too much of a stretch like that no no that that seems that seems right i mean i mean who kn- the other thing is that this this book is i'm not entirely certain what happens in the book does, does that make <laughs> like in, in some ways it's almost uh impressionistic yeah kind of like it, you know uh, you just you're hit with this sort of snowball of emotion or something and, and it's kind of hard to decipher exactly what's going on but that that seems as a good an explanation as anything, you know, if you're if you're going to break it down. Yeah, and but I, I think that I don't know, and I think that probably resonates. I would imagine that resonates a lot with kids that kind of feeling confined and frustrated a lot. Um, not only because other people in char- are in charge of you, but but also because you just aren't very good at like expressing yourself, whether it's verbally or or, or anything else. Like you're you're not very good at. Um, having control you, you don't really have the the capacity for it um so it, it's sort of a it's not hard to imagine that that in, on a very primitive level like that's a fantasy of every single kid right right and, is to have more not, control right yeah not just kids too i think that's like, I, think, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's especially especially true of kids but i mean i i you know rereading this book that it you know i he, there's it's not just kids that are taking that boat over to the land of the wild things you know, when, <laughs> when they feel out of control. So did you, speaking of this um, feeling frustrated and sort of controlled and wanting more control, I noticed this for the first time as I was reading this um, in preparation for this interview, um, which is visually when the book starts off, the, the picture is this very, it only takes up about maybe a third of the page and it's surrounded by all this white space. Um, the actual image of Max. And then as it goes, as it sort of slowly progresses to the point where he's chasing the dog and then he gets his mom, um, sends him to his room, the, the image starts to take up more and more of the page. And right, then, and then when you get to about the, the middle, it's all picture. It's just him. That's the wild rumpus where it's just, yeah, there are no exactly. words and, and there's no white space what, yeah, that's... whatsoever. And then when it, but then as he starts to realize that's not what he wants and he starts to sail home again, a little bit of the white space comes back, but he he ultimately gets back into his room, 
and it's still full bleed. Now stop, Max said, and sent the wild things off to bed without their supper. And Max, the king of all wild things, was lonely and wanted to be where someone loved him best of all. Then all around, from far away, across the world, he smelled good things to eat. So he gave up being king of where the wild things are. We should talk a little bit about the the language in particular, because this is one of the things that kind of yeah. confuses me. Yeah, and the other thing about it is it is it straight. So this is, uh, I mean, I don't think that anyone's arguing that this is a uh, classic and that the the languages there there are some really beautiful phrases in there mm-hmm. um but I actually this is for me a, a hard book to read super hard. um the, the the rhythm is the rhythm kind of seems off and then even some of the like the way that he uses he uses these sort of preposition stacks so he'll say then all around from far away across the world so that's prepositions are usually pretty specific you, you know something's behind you or in front of you or you know, you, it, it, it places you right away. Right. But with the way that he uses prepositions, it's like all around, but then also far away and then, uh, across. And so it's, it's, you really, it, it's, if you're, if you're trying to understand what he's saying, you almost have to stop and say, well, what's going on and where is Max exactly? And where is this coming from? And some of the sentences are kind of run-ons and, and then, uh, if you have been, you know, reading there can be kind of an abruptness to, uh, especially I feel like if, if you're not used to doing reading children's books where you get to the, there's no words all of a sudden, and then you've just been reading one phrase and turning the page. And then all of a sudden do you fall silent and just describe the wild rumpus or what do you, are, you know, if you're not prepared, like, what do you do? Like you say, Oh, now Max is, you know, hanging from this tree and the, the, the creatures are capering about with him or, you know, so that, you have to you have to kind of improvise, and that obviously shakes up the rhythm of the book a little bit. What do you so, yeah, what, do you, what, like, what do you guys do during the wild rumpus? I I don't know. I I try, and so far, and your kids are a little bit older, and so uh, maybe you have a better story. Jack isn't really that interested in wild rumpus. I really try and get him into it because that's the part that everybody remembers loving. But he's mainly obsessed with the fact that uh, one of the one of the the wild things has human feet and the rest mm. of them have sort of claws or, you know, animal paws of some sort. Huh. And so we get to the wild rumpus section and then I start trying to freelance and, or even I, I've tried to get up and kind of jump around. Yeah. And he just wants to, he just wants me to call me back. Dad, like, have you noticed this one has, look at these toes. <laughs> like, why isn't, why isn't this horned creature wearing shoes? <laughs> so. That's what do you guys do? Is, are, are, are your kids really into it? Or yeah, we and Cat actually did this. She got real theatrical with the uh, sort of the roll, <laughs> rolling their terrible eyes and like you know waving their hands and like kind of getting up and really acting it out. And and I, I think it's it's something I really come to enjoy about uh, reading kids books in general is the books that have these moments for parents to go a little bit like nutty and like super silly and to watch our like our kids just really relish that and like just start laughing hilariously as their parents start doing these really ridiculous um yeah. reenactments of well, what's going on 
Well, I'm glad that's your experience. You know, my, my experience is that I feel like I I failed the wild rumpus because I can't <laughs> I can inject. No, you just have a future podiatrist on your hands. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. <that's right. laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's interesting. I, it, it would be fun to see um, you know various families and um, and readers and see how they approach the the wild rumpus. But but uh, that, uh, go ahead. I was just say also I. I, I will say, and I feel like I should make this disclaimer, and this is something I worry about. I, I also worry that I'm not giving this book my all because I have a certain degree of shame attached to it. When I, when I was when I was a kid, I, one of my friends came over and he had uh, memorized the book, which I think is a testament to how how much of an impression the book can make on 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 children. And so he was really excited because he had learned to read, and so he proceeded to read it to me, and then I, I just like an awful uh, human being, <laughs> I cross-examined like, so if you can read it, like, what does this particular word say? And he wouldn't know. And I go, well, I, I don't think you, you can't read. He's like, no, no, I can read. My, my parents have told me that I, I can read. I go, well, they're lying to you. I don't know why they're lying to you about that, but you obviously, you, you're, what you're doing isn't reading. So, yeah, and it's, it's like, and like every time I see the book, I remember, I, I think about that and I, I feel like wow. a, a real, real deep shit. Yeah, and so, it's, it's a, so maybe that's that that inhibits my rumpus a little, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it it also brings up the idea of I'm curious about the um, like developmental timing of books. Like it's it seems yeah. like such a crapshoot to me of when because we have a pretty wide range of um, of you know age ranges for books and and we just kind of hang them all out there and just like sort of haphazardly kind of introduce different ones at different times and sometimes they take and sometimes they don't and. It's it's just interesting to me, like when a particular book takes hold, and maybe, you know, who knows? Like maybe, maybe Jack will get super into it in in a year or something, and yeah, or or tomorrow, like as soon as yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but do, I, do you feel? I mean, do, do you feel like you can? Uh, but maybe this is also something to talk to with about with this book too. Is do you feel that you can read a book too early? With with a kid like they and if they don't get into it, then maybe they never will. Or like the the other thing is maybe the, you know, is it because when when this book came out, people were worried that it would be like scary or it would send the wrong messages and that kids wouldn't be prepared to sort of handle that. Um, does do uh, do your kids find the monsters scary at all, or are they just sort of like fun, you know, I creatures don't... to romp around with? I don't think so. Um, but I wonder how much of that is influenced by the way we read it. You know, like they, they're probably picking up a lot on like how we perceive it. Um, so I don't think they perceived it as scary as to like whether you can, I'm, I think on the extremes, yeah, you can introduce like certain topics maybe too soon um, for, for kids, but I don't know. Like I for example, how much, how much Stephen King do you read like, to, to lay down Gabrielle? <laughs> <laughs> Right, you know, uh, a lot of it. You know, they have a thing with a lot, of, lot of it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm, going on a bear hunt. Going it, on a bear hunt. You know, <laughs> it. Heavy rotation. Um, yeah, I don't know. Among children, like how many like truly like traumatic children's books out there are there? I think the the more damaging thing would be if you were really pushy as a parent about like insisting on your kids being really into something and just like forcing it down their throats um time after time that i could see that like 
really turning a kid off to something. But if you, if you just sort of like casually kind of introduce something and see if it takes or not, and if it doesn't, you know, maybe try once or more. But um, I, I find it hard to believe that you can like ruin a kid to a book just by introducing it earlier than they want it or they're ready for it. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's, that's probably right. I think honestly, it's, um, it's more of you introduce it to a kid and, and then the, the parent takes the wrong message from the kid rejecting it. Like yeah, you, you say, why don't you, I think you'd love this book. And they say, no, I'm, I'm not interested in it right now. And the parent goes, Oh, well, I guess my kid, you know, hates Narnia. So that's, we're not going to, we're never going to try that. We're never going to try that again. Like that's, Throw that series out and right, right. try some Stephen King. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think I think that makes sense. Um, which and I think, but but that there's a good little. Uh, I feel like actually re- reading books to my kids is a really good exercise for me as a parent in sort of flexibility and adaptation because it's it's just very hard to predict what they're gonna like and what they're not gonna like on a. On, on like a minute to minute basis, much less like a right. day to day or, or month to month basis. So it really does kind of make you or sort of encourage you to go with the flow and just try lots of stuff out. I, that's our experience anyway. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's right. Um, like, have you have you ever read a book where you were you correctly predicted <laughs> your your kid's reaction. Like you said, you're going to love this. And they go, yeah, actually this is, this is now my new favorite thing. <laughs> Does that, has that ever happened or? Uh, no, I, cause I think the ones, that, <laughs> <laughs> the ones that have been Good. the biggest that, that, hits. I'm, I'm glad if you, if, if you, if you'd said, yes, I, I, I might've hated you a little bit. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think the one, like ones like, uh, like bear hunt um that that have been like perpetual hits that like they keep animal farm that not animal farm our animal friends my daughter started calling it right. animal farm and it, it got contagious i was like no honey that's a very different book <laughs> um it's just like she calls where the wild things are 1984 it's the same, <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> um yeah so i i don't know no i don't i don't think you can i don't think that happens um very much Okay, well, let me let me ask you this question. Sorry, and then you can, if you've got other thoughts, you can let me know. But do you think that? Uh, so we've we've kind of agreed that Max is angry or frustrated in the beginning, and then he goes to where the wild things are. Does he? Does that seem like an effective way of kind of working out his frustration? Like, is that like you're a psychologist? Does that seem like that was the right, the right move on, on his part to sort of resolve some of these issues? through this imaginative journey and like or or is it just it 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 just kind of his his anger kind of spin itself naturally by itself and it does that question make sense yeah totally and i think it gets at a really important but confusing uh dilemma in psychology actually so uh, for a long time and, and a lot of people have written about this book saying it's basically um sort of a a portrayal of the idea of how central an impact um, kind of childhood anger directed toward a parent can be and how that that can be. And people theorize that that was what was going on with, with the author and they, they really put a lot into that. Um, but the, 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 the big idea very, is for, very fraught. Yeah. <laughs> for a long time, people really put a lot of stock in the idea of the what's called the cathartic theory of anger, which is just... The, the way to eliminate anger is to let it out. 
So you vent, basically. And the more you can kind of vent um, your anger, the more it will sort of dissipate and go away. Um, but what we, what we actually know over the last 20 or 30 years of uh, a lot of research is that the opposite is true. The, the cathartic theory of anger is not only incorrect, it's actually harmful. The more you elaborate and vent on your anger, the worse it gets. Um, so just sort of biting so, your so tongue you're not and kind of... It. So you're not, you're not venting it, you're actually feeding it? Is that the... Is yeah, that, you're, that you're, like the... you're essentially elaborating on it and increasing it in intensity. Um, so in, in a lot of ways, sort of bottling it up and just biting your tongue is a preferable strategy. That being said, there, uh, an important distinction is you between maybe venting your anger and validating anger. Um, okay. And validation is the idea that, you know, if your, ki- if your kid's super angry um, and, you know, does something really, in, you know, inappropriate as a result of that anger, you, you know, you so could... Stabs the dog with a fork, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, you're, you don't want to just, like, encourage your kid to, you know, keep elaborating on that anger and just keep stabbing away and let it all out, right? Um, but you also, right, yeah. you, you probably don't want to just kind of walk away and say, well, you know, kids will be kids. Um, what you can do is, at the same time that you prevent the expression, the unhelpful, harmful expression of that anger, you, you can reflect back to the kid that, hey, I, it seems like you're really angry. Like, it must be really hard feeling this way. Um, or I can see how that would be really upsetting or sometimes I get really angry too, or, but you're acknowledging the emotion without endorsing it. And and so I think you could make the case that that's what this book is doing is that it's, it's helping kids to acknowledge and confront and, and look at their conflict or difficult emotions, um, in a way that's useful to their growth. Sorry. Yeah, and that doesn't seem to be projected too much. No, no, no. That's no. I I think, but I think it's a, it's appropriate because, you know, Sindak was really, I mean, a lot of children's books are about kind of low stakes, fairly low stakes things like, oh, you know, this is kind of a fun journey, or how can you share better with your sister, or you know, things like that. And then Sindak is always saying things like children surviving childhood is my obsessive theme and my life's concern. I mean, so that's the, the stakes are high there, you know, right. like being, like being able to sort of like emotionally survive your own childhood. That That's not just, Oh, like I hope we can read this book so we don't, so we can help, you know, our child stay on their sleep schedule. <laughs> this is, you know, <laughs> how, how do they, how, how can they, how, how can they get out of this, this whole uh, life stage alive? Um, and so I, I think that he, 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 he took, he, uh, emotions and feelings and and kind of what's going on inside a, a child's brain really really seriously and you know it's a it's a fanciful book but there's there's really there's a degree of earnestness to it uh, without a doubt yeah for sure and, and, and I think you know when Max is with the wild things it's not like he just it's not all a romp you know there are some important things like he he tames the wild things like he learns how to exert agency Right. But then also he's he's open to new emotions like he realizes that he feels lonely um, and that may maybe like unbridled uh, sort of autonomy and freedom and control. Like maybe that's not actually a trade off that's worth it to him. Um, so there's, right, there's yeah. actually and, and a there's, lot of there's, there's also like a, a like a place and time for things, too. Like he says, and they rob me, he goes, now stop. And like, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> and he sends he sends. 
he sends them to bed, you know, and so maybe he's more sick. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a, he kind of, he, he gets to play adult too and kind of see what's that like. And, and he becomes maybe more sympathetic to his mother. Like when, once he, you know, heavy, heavy is the crown. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I, I feel like he, he, he learns a lot, you know, over the course of that, um, his adventure. Um, and he comes back different. I mean, he's, he's still a little kid and he's still in a wolf suit. Um, but but clearly, like, he's learned a thing or two um, being with the wild things. Hey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Thousand and One Good Nights. If you want to learn more about this book and other bedtime stories, check out our website at a thousand and one goodnights.com. That's one zero zero one goodnights.com. Be sure to sign up for our monthly email newsletter to get updates about upcoming seasons and other new content. Finally, please help us out by rating the show on iTunes. This helps spread the word about the show and get it in front of new listeners each week.